The countdown to summer is on. Wenatchee Apple Sox Baseball returns on June 2nd, and it's time to meet the newest members of the 2023 team with this week's roster release. Here are your hosts, the voice of the Apple Sox, Joel Norman, and head coach, Mitch Darlington. We're back with another edition of the Wenatchee Apple Sox podcast roster reveal edition. As we continue to look at this Apple Sox team, just about under a month left of these roster reveals. Of course, opening day still coming up June 2nd, but the home opener on June 6th. But we are continuing to put this Apple Sox team together and introduce these players to you. I'm Paul Norman, and we're joined by the head coach of the Apple Sox, Mitch Darlington. And Mitch, uh, you know, a busy time right now for you. You've had a lot of baseball excitement, haven't you? Uh, l- let some of the fans know about some of the different things you've been able to do. Yeah, we, uh, as a family, took a uh, road trip down to uh, Arizona, was able to catch Arizona State uh, versus the Cougs. First of all, Phoenix Municipal Stadium, beautiful, beautiful facilities. You know, we got a little bit of an Arizona State tie there. Um, a buddy of mine, Ryan Domet, who coaches at Big Ben now, is actually cousins with head coach at Arizona State and former Mariner Willie Bloomquist. So fun to see what he's doing with Arizona State. And then, you know, just great to be able to watch the Cougs, check in with Brandon Ponce, chat out with him a little bit, talk a little bit about the upcoming summer. And so it, it was really fun. And then uh, the following day, we were able to go to uh, Chase Field, watch the Diamondbacks take on the Dodgers, and uh, and that was a good time as well. So good to get out and, and see some baseball. Nice to probably catch up with Ponce. Uh, you guys talk a lot about this summer. You were telling him, you know, maybe hit a home run on the road this summer, unlike last year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I'm sure our fans don't mind, uh, but all of Ponce's damage just comes at, comes at home, so – uh, we'll we'll see. I'm excited to see Ponce back in an Apple Sox uniform. My son was able to say hi to him. He was he was a little scared. Ponce uh, Ponce mentioned he's up to 220 pounds now. Put on about 20 to 30 pounds of of muscle. So uh, I don't think Dash recognized him. You know, with with putting on the weight and as well as not being in an Apple Sox uniform, might have scared him a little bit. That could be, you know, that's what you know for Ponce. That's what happens. You switch over to a D1 program. You get a few more amenities like that. So. Uh, really good to see in that sense. Haven't seen him a ton in action with the Cougs to this point, though. I didn't get into any of those games against Arizona State. You know, it could be we, we talked about this off of the podcast before. We kind of said, you know, we'll see where things are at. That's a deep team right now. But uh, I've got to imagine he's going to be chomping at the bit once summer rolls around. Yeah, yeah. They're, um, you know, lately Cam McGee's been starting for them. He was actually uh, in the portal out of Arizona State. Really talented player, good left-handed hitter, you know. So him and Ponce have kind of battled for some innings there. Um, and and like you mentioned, they're a really deep team. You know, they've, they've knocked off a couple of really good programs this year, taking two out of three from Oregon State, took both games they played against UCLA. So definitely a really talented group and uh, not, not an easy lineup to crack. You mentioned McGee. Boy, he made a great play in that first game of that series. I saw that was that Friday. Were you Were you at that one? Yeah, it was the third. Yeah, Thursday they played Thursday night, and uh, yeah, that was a that was the Sports Center top ten play there. Yeah, really cool to see that tough weekend for the Cougs, but you know that's a tough opponent to travel to. Of course, uh, playing at Arizona State, Mitch. I know that you've been busy with stuff. But you have any other Apple Sox alums who you were kind of keeping an eye on from this past weekend? Maybe guys you saw pop up somewhere on social media, something big that happened. Um, you know, on the flight down. Uh, we were able to watch a little bit of Joichi Rowe, of course, kind of tuned in, watched UC Irvine, watched their last game versus Long Beach State, I believe, and they had a good day there. 
besides that, you know, Cole Miller's having a good season for the Huskies, pretty much their everyday center fielder. I've kind of been tuning in on the Pac-12 network and just kind of following the Huskies and, you know, and, and the Cougs, of course. You know, other than that, I feel like we've touched on most of them. You know, Jack Moffitt's starting to see some more innings for Gonzaga. Enzo and Ezra are doing their thing for the Zags as they're getting into conference play. So uh, just kind of tuning in and checking in, you know, a lot of it's more of just checking the scores of games and then kind of check, checking those box scores to see how former Apple Sox are doing. For me recently, because of what you talked about, we've already brought up, we've seen a lot of these guys, what they've been doing. It's almost, it's not that it's become boring. It's become, we've been used to seeing, we're used to seeing, okay, here's another Joe Ichiro highlight. For me, it's been fun to look at a lot, a lot of what the newcomers have been doing. And I'll tease him. He's still a few weeks out, but one of our players from who's going to be coming from Central Washington, you know, he's had himself a really, really impressive spring, including this past week. So it's fun to begin. I think I hope fans are enjoying this too. Is you get to learn some of these names, keep an eye on some of these these new guys as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we can't mention his name yet. Haven't announced him who it is, but had uh four home runs in a series was pretty impressive to uh to follow that um so always always good to see incomers succeeding and uh getting excited for them and you and i were joking about this a moment ago off air before we began but you know just if you're maybe an incoming apple Sox player haven't heard yourself mention it you know everything's still on track we're just we're just making it a little bit difficult for everyone one at a time keep everyone waiting a little bit you know trying out the the anticipation a little bit this year aren't we mitch Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We, uh, I, we, uh, we were talking about it earlier before we got on this podcast, but I feel like some of the players who haven't been announced yet have been checking in and kind of like, Hey, or, uh, I'm still coming out to one at you this summer, right? Like you haven't announced me yet. And we're just, we're just taking it day by day and slow and, and, uh, and just giving our fans some, you know, something to look forward to every day. Yeah. And for those maybe who aren't familiar for right now, we've got about, including this week, we've got about three more weeks of these planned. Probably we'll have a fourth one there at some point, probably in early May because of some later additions to the roster. Because as you and I mentioned before, Mitch, there's going to be guys who are going to have to drop what we've already announced and there'll be new guys added. But uh, like you said, drawing it out a little bit here, kind of giving everyone their day in the spotlight, uh, so to speak. The 2023 Wenatchee Apple Sox season is right around the corner, and the best way to enjoy all the fun at Paul Thomas Senior Stadium is with season tickets. Season tickets are now on sale for as affordable as $145, and they lock in your seats to all home games from June to mid-August, and they also include all postseason games for free at no additional cost. Premium reserve seating closer to the field and with seat backs on them are also available for $245. And new this season are flex packs for Apple Sox fans. It's a value general admission pack of $60 that gives you 10 general admission tickets that can be used at any point in the 2023 season. Single game tickets will go on sale later on in the spring, but for right now the best option and the best value is to purchase Apple Sox season tickets. Head over to applesocks.com right now to lock in your seats. So, Mitch, that leads us into number one for this week. Who's the first guy that we're announcing is joining the Apple Sox for the 2023 roster this week? Yeah, first guy that we're going to talk a little bit about is a uh, left-handed pitcher out of uh, University of Incarnate Word uh, down in Texas. Good left-handed arm. His name's Sawyer Hansen. He's actually from the state of Washington. I believe his hometown was Chehalis. Out of high school, went to Iowa Western Community College, which 
you know, I, I feel like unless you really follow junior college baseball across the country, you know, you would think, oh, my gosh, he, he had to go to Iowa to go play junior college baseball. Like, what what's up with that? But Iowa Western is one of the best junior colleges in the country. Always a really strong program, a great coaching staff, really develop all, all their guys, not just the pitching staff, but the position guys as well. And, and you see them go on to big name schools, typically Division One schools after they're done there. So Sawyer had a really good, uh, really good season last year with uh, Iowa Western. Uh, he's a big swing and miss lefty. So. He's got an upper 80s, low 90s fastball, but just a good swing and miss breaking ball that is really going to play nicely for us out of our bullpen. Uh, I could see him being, you know, a high leverage type left-handed arm. Uh, got to come in, get us out of a tough inning, or, you know, if you need a punch out, got the bases loaded and no outs, and you need someone to dig in and get you out of it. He's that type of arm that's going to come in and get you out of a situation like that. So I can't take full credit for this find. Uh, Mike Calia actually signed Sawyer, so... Got to give credit to Mike for this one. So we're excited about him. You know, it's funny. I've had several conversations with Mike and I'm realizing how much of Nebraska he and I at this point are very familiar with and Iowa because of his time, of course, in the Expedition League and then the Independence League. Uh, I feel like it's nice for the recruiting standpoint. You've got the West Coast. He's kind of cornering the market on the Midwest right now. And it's nice to have those options. And maybe for those of you who aren't super familiar where Iowa Western might be, I get this question a lot from fans over the course of the summer. We'll we'll repeatedly say where a guy's from. Uh, Council Bluffs, Iowa, where Iowa Western is, that's a, a few minutes outside of Omaha, Nebraska. So for me, that's about an hour from where I currently live. So I, I was very familiar with uh, that college when I saw that because of how close it was to me. But uh, just to give people an idea of where that's from, he, he pitched his first two years, did Sawyer Hansen at Iowa Western. Uh, only one game 2019-20, did not appear the next year and then had a 3.86 ERA and 10 appearances in the 2022 season, over 14 innings, 18 strikeouts to just three walks in that time. And then, of course, as we mentioned, transferred over to University of the Incarnate Word. He's only pitched in one game there so far. But Mitch, talking about his work, you mentioned him kind of like that situational lefty a little bit. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, too, but sound like a guy who kind of comes in in situations like that. Base. It reminded me, as you were saying it, it reminded me of what you said last week about Luke Myers coming from Central Arizona. Another kind of uh, situational guy who's going to come in probably just an inning or so. Do you think your pitching philosophy might change a bit this year? Because anyone who's familiar with watching what you did with the bullpen last year was pretty aware that you were more, more often than not very willing to let a guy ride out multiple innings. And when I say multiple, that was regularly more than two innings of work out of the pen. Yeah, you know, last year we just kind of had to had to play with the cards that we were dealt. And, um, you know, I don't want to blame dropouts or last minute guys not showing up. But, you know, we really didn't have a bolstered bullpen last year. We we kind of had three or four arms that were our go-to guys, and, and they just had to fill that long relief role. We didn't have the luxury of having two to three different left-handed options out of our bullpen that could come in and get a big punch out when we needed it. And so really it was just kind of, hey, we're going to put this guy in. Uh, you know, if he throws well in that inning, uh, we're going to give him another one, which which still, you know, I can't say that my philosophy is going to change. That's kind of always been the way I see it. What You know, whether I've been an assistant coach at the junior college level, I've always kind of had that, hey, you know, if I bring somebody out of the bullpen and they look really good for an inning, you know, why would I tinker the next inning and, and go to someone else, you know, not knowing what I'm going to get when when the guy looks sharp. So 
I will say that if things pan out the way they do, I think our bullpen is going to be a little more built up this summer, and we're going to have that luxury of being able to throw guys for shorter outings, but more appearances overall throughout the week rather than those you know long inning relief situations. I thought when I saw you do it last year, I remember thinking this is a this is very much the junior college mindset of how to use guys, but in the way, and that's not at all a you know a negative critique. The way I looked at it was. In junior college, you kind of have to try to ride some guys because a lot of times you've got that doubleheader situation and you might have another doubleheader ahead in a couple of days. So like you talked about with conserving arms, you have to do situations like that. Are you going to play the matchups, you think, a little bit more in a situation like this? You talked about Sawyer Hansen being a southpaw in there and probably can come in and get some lefties out. Yeah, definitely. You know, you know, as you as you see teams two or three times as you get towards the back end of a series and kind of have their lineup figured out in a sense, you know, you like to see lefty on lefty matchup. And, you know, if you do enough scouting or, you know, know the stats on other teams and how they hit lefties, righties, it's it's something you can definitely tinker with. But, you know, going back to that mindset and the way I kind of play it is, you know, I. I'm trying to get a win that night and I'm worried about typically that night only. I'm not one that, Hey, if I throw this guy Friday night, but I keep him to one inning, you know, maybe he can bounce back tomorrow night and try to close out a game. I, you know, (laughs) I like to find a way to get a win that night and then we'll let tomorrow worry about itself. So if a guy comes in and and he's dealing, then he's, we might ride him out for three, four strong and, and try to win a game. I loved watching him personally last year. And, you know, Mitch, I got to the point where the summer ended. I was watching a lot of Major League Baseball games again, and it's it was almost fatiguing. You see the same guys a couple nights in a row, and it's like, boy, you know, you had a good sixth inning. Why do you have to pull them? <laughs> so right. I, I, yeah. I think fans enjoy that. It's that whole it's that whole question of, you know, Apple Sox get finished hitting, and you look to the dugout, and you go, you're going to send them out for another. And, you know, more often than not, guys really, they seem to thrive off of that. I remember so many times last summer you and I were talking about boy, he's getting stronger. He got stronger as the game went along too. Right. You know, and and another thing to touch on with that, playing it that way is we don't have the luxury of seeing these guys all fall, all winter and, and establishing true roles right off the bat. So it's not like I have a guy in mind that I'm like, this is my closer. He's my ninth inning only guy. You know, it's it's hard to find a true closer and true bullpen guys and situation guys when you only when guys show up in mid June and they might be gone at late July and you basically got four weeks and you want to get as many innings out of them as you can. So, you know, you just got to play it the the way you see fit and the way things are going that night. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where every night you're watching and you're looking to see what guys can bring. And I love that, especially early in the season, because even in a blowout, I always like to bring this up on a broadcast that even in a blowout, there's still that opportunity for someone. So especially for pitchers, you really can't be concerned about the scoreboard, even if the game's out of reach, because you could be getting yourself a high leverage role. There was a game a couple summers ago, 2021, second game of the year. Cole Hatton, who's at St. Martin's University, came out of the bullpen, tossed the final five innings, never had another relief outing that summer. (laughs) So it's sometimes that's what it takes. It's just that one good outing like that. Talked about Sawyer Hansen for our first edition of the Apple Sox this week. Big thing talking about, you know, these, the length out of the bullpen, how that might change this year, and also the unknowns with some of these pitchers. And, you know, Mitch, one thing that's definitely true with him, and I think a lot of these guys who, we, who typically do pitch in summer baseball, they're not guys who are going pretty much every week during the college season. So it's even harder sometimes to get a real feel for what they can bring, isn't there? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, 
you know, numerous guys off last last year's uh, staff uh, did not see a ton of innings in the spring. And, and in some ways, that's kind of a good thing when you're looking at their stats and looking at the roster is um, you don't want to see too many innings because that means they're probably not going to be able to show up in the summer or they're going to be on a very short inning limit and, and be out of there pretty quickly. So uh, we should see a lot of work from Sawyer for us this summer. Another guy you talked about like that was uh, Junior Flores last week. It was a guy who not a ton of outings right now, but with switching schools, sometimes that can be the case. And that is good, though, for us. So Apple Sox fans should like seeing that there's not a lot of appearances for guys during the spring. Obviously, we want them to get that work in as well, but it's fun when they can get a lot of games in in Wenatchee as well. So one player down that we talked about this week, Mitch, let's move on to the second player to announce for this week's roster additions. Yeah, next guy is another uh, another arm. He's a right-handed arm out of uh, University of Jamestown. Apple Sox fans should remember that from uh, Xander Orahudos. So his teammates this year with Xander. Uh, his name is Trey Hugh, uh, right-handed pitcher, and he's kind of been one of their main starters. He he was an All-Conference guy last year, and and honestly, I found out about him through Xander. Xander shot me a text probably middle of winter and said, Hey, we have a guy, you know, from, uh, from Idaho that's interested in coming back out West uh, would like to pitch for the Apple Sox. And so uh, did a little research on him and really liked what he did last year for Jamestown. And uh, from everything Xander had told me, he's kind of the right type of fit for us. And so really excited about Trey, you know, another guy that can run it up to mid upper eighties, uh, good breaking pitch, decent change up. Um, and can can throw all three for strikes. So definitely has been in that starting role for Jamestown. Um, not sure kind of what role he's going to have for us. He's he's one that has gotten a ton of innings for them. Um, he's had a lot of innings the last couple of years. So I think the plan is he's either going to show up on opening day and probably be one of those that departs about midway through our season. Uh, probably going to be just half the summer with us, uh, or it could be vice versa and show up you know, around the 4th of July and finish the summer with us, depending on where we're at with arms. So it could be situationally based as well. And you did mention the work that he's had this spring is overall six games pitched in six of them. He's been a starter in them 17 and two thirds innings numbers off to a little bit of a rockier start this spring at 1274 ERA in that span. But uh, right now it's just been some hits that have really hurt him. 17 strikeouts, eight walks, Last season, though, really good numbers in his first year with the Jimmies. He had a 3.30 ERA in 12 games, all of which he started 5-1 and one record with 50 strikeouts to 19 walks and 57 and a third inning. So right now it's a little bit early. You know, he's made about half of the appearances that he did a year ago, so a lot of room to get those numbers up. But a guy who had previously pitched, like you mentioned, in the NWAC over at, um, over at Treasure Valley, so – It'd be kind of nice for him, in a sense, to get back over here. It's I noticed that earlier with uh, Sawyer Hansen being from Washington. Nice when we can find these guys who want to come back out west and pitch a little bit closer to home in the summer, isn't it, Mitch? Oh, absolutely, yeah. It's and it's one of those that they're tough to find. It's, you'll come across a random Division One roster or you know a D two NAIA roster somewhere across the country and. You find a kid from Washington, you think, hey, that's that's a perfect fit. You know, that, that this kid might want to come back and play in front of his family. So, you know, he, he had Treasure Valley ties, which, you know, me coaching in the NWAC East, they were in our league. So New, New Treasure Valley was always a good program and, uh, and, and was excited to get him over here. So, you know, w- we'll see what kind of role he has for us. You know, you mentioned that the ERA is a little inflated right now. 
you know, some of these leagues, these NAIA Division Two, Division Three leagues are very offensive leagues. You know, last year we saw that with Mason Philly a little bit. He showed up and we, we saw him in the spring. He had like a six ERA and it, it's just different. Some of the leagues are just very, very offensive and guys get out here and, and, and sometimes they rise to the occasion when they're facing those Division One hitters and, and, and with the Division One defense behind them. So we're excited to see what, what will happen with Trey. What can you expect from him on the mound? Another guy, we've been doing a lot of pitchers in recent stretches here. We're kind of in that stretch where we're adding a lot of these guys. What kind of pitch mix have you seen with him? Is that something you guys have talked about yet? Yeah, yeah. You know, he throws a heavy fastball, like I mentioned, you know, mid to upper 80s, has a change up, has a good, has a good breaking pitch. But his big, big, thing, big thing is typically uh, he can throw all three for strikes, so kind of been a guy that's been a starter for him. Um, anybody that, you know, can locate numerous pitches and his arms really built up, you know, he's been up around 80, hundred pitches a game. So, you know, that's just kind of been the role he's been in for them. You know, that kind of plays into either being a starter for us or kind of a long relief type of guy. But like you, like you mentioned last year, bunch of strikeouts with limited walks, which you like to see. So a guy that can come in, throw strikes, uh, make pitches and, and invite contact and let your defense play. Now, the, the real important question is, uh, last year, one of the running jokes with the team was when there was going to be a basketball game with them because of the height of certain players, uh, when other uh, other players having you know, played basketball in high school. You know, Trey standing at six foot three, you know, what position is he playing on the Apple Sox basketball team when they hit the court? <laughs> you know, I, I don't know if we have the height of last year's same team. We had some... We had Will Jacobson giants. helped. Hey, Will Jacobson, we had a seven-footer. I mean, I guess Jack Moffitt's coming back. You know, Nick Putnam's young, young but he's 6'6". Six, six, so yeah. uh, we, we don't have a Gatorade State Player of the Year in Ivar Kett. So I, I don't know. The basketball might be a little shaky this year. Jack Moffitt might be transitioning to that center role. You know, that, that Will that Will Jacobson left might have to you know <laughs> fill the void there. We're gonna we're gonna look for Nick Putnam. He's young. We're probably looking at that power forward position. You know, I, I think we could still make something work here. We're just gonna need to play a little more small ball this year, Mitch. Yeah, yeah, we got to find somebody to fill Will Jacobson's jersey. So yeah, we'll have to. I'll have to get back on the recruiting and see if we can find another another tall, lanky arm. I'll say this about Will Jacobson. He was the tallest player, might have been the tallest player in Apple Sox history. I'd have to look that up. Probably would need to chat with Bruce Bennett, our uh, longtime statistician. Uh, but I'd have to look that up. I'll give him this. Will didn't need a brand new uniform because he was so lanky in addition to his yeah. height. So that was the bright side in that sense. But uh, you mentioned the connection for Trey Hugh with, with Xander Orohudos and I imagine that had to be pretty cool. Have you talked with Trey about him hearing about what Xander experienced from his time with the Apple Sox? Because we've talked about this before. The players are the best recruiters. It's so cool when they get a chance to talk with teammates about what 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 makes Wenatchee so special. Yeah, that was kind of, you know, we spent probably the first five, ten minutes of our phone call um, that with me and Trey talking about, you know, Xander and how much both of us love Xander and uh, what he's been up to and how well he's playing. But yeah, that was one of his big things was he said, hey, you know, I was looking for a summer spot and Xander kind of brought it up, you know, to play for the Apple Sox. And he talked a little bit about, you know, what to expect in the summer and the fans and the travel and, you know, our coaching staff. And so he he seemed really excited to, to come join us. And, 
you know, that's awesome. For me, you know, it makes my job so much easier when guys go back to school and, you know, like I've mentioned before, and you just said, you know, they're our best recruiters. And, and honestly, they give you the best evaluations. If you want to know what a guy is, whether he's good, whether he's bad, you just need to talk to your players because they're the ones that are with them every day at practice. They're seeing live ABs off the kid. And so, you know, when Xander sends a text that, hey, you, you should get this kid, and then you have that reference, you know, like, hey, how would he compare to pitchers we had last year? How would he, you know, what kind of kind of, kind of role would you see him in? Those guys are the most honest. You know, they're not they're not going to send you a teammate that's that's going to come out here and be a dud for you. They're going to send you a guy that they know can play at that level. So I, I love when when you get texts like that. You mentioned uh, just keeping up with Xander. And for those who may be wondering, of course, he's at Jamestown as well, along with Trey Hughes coming to the Apple Sox this summer. Xander won't be back. He's finally graduating after all these years of college he's had. He's he's had a long route. And we talked about that on a previous podcast. But, boy, he took he's picked up right where he left off from last summer. 317 batting average in 37 games with Wenatchee last summer. And now right now at Jamestown hitting 320 through 32 games. And he started all those as well. So. Really cool to see what he's been doing. And he's poked a couple of home runs. He he waited a little bit to get his first home run with the Apple Sox last year. He had it in that non-league game and then had a little bit of the surprising one in the postseason game that I asked him about. And even he didn't remember that, that had gotten over the fence or he didn't realize in the moment that it had gotten over the fence. But neat to see what he's been doing as well. It's a little bit harder to follow some of these other colleges, but really cool that his his numbers have done pretty well there still. Absolutely. Yeah. Xander's got sneaky power and Xander's one of those that I, I think is going to make a really good baseball coach someday. He's always got a home in Wenatchee if he ever wants to come out and be an, an assistant one of these summers because that, that, that guy's a smart player and just an absolute gamer and he, he knows the game well and, and uh, just a just a really great kid. Favorite story with him from last year was him talking about when he would wear batting gloves and when he wouldn't. He told me that he really liked the batting gloves when it was cold out. And then when it was warmer out, he wouldn't. He would wear. He just would go without gloves. So I know fans appreciate seeing that old school touch as well. So now we're on to our third player of the week to talk about joining the Apple Sox. And Mitch, changing it up, we're getting off of the mound. As we mentioned, it feels like a lot of the guys recently, the last few weeks, have been pitchers. Where we're heading into the field for our third player this week. Yeah, third guy that we're announcing this week is uh, an outfielder, Marshall Lipsy. Marshall originally we signed him from TCU. He was there this fall as a true freshman. You know, Nevada's uh, longtime head coach, TJ Bruce, recently this offseason stepped down as the head coach to go be TCU's associate head coach. And so that was kind of my connection there. Nevada had previously sent uh, some different guys up to Wenatchee in the years past. And and so when he jumped on board with TCU, uh, you know, we had obviously wanted to reach out and, and try to get some, some uh, TCU guys up here. And so they sent us Marshall. Marshall ended up transferring out about uh, at the semester break and going to Blinn College, Blinn Junior College, another small uh, JC down in Texas. And man, he is having a heck of a spring for them. Uh, not only is Blinn, you know, one of the top 10 uh, nationally ranked teams right now, but he's uh, he's got eight home runs, I believe, the last I checked. And uh, a good left-handed bat for us, runs really well in the outfield and and just, are, just overall a really good player, really good hitter. So excited to see what he's going to do for us in Wenatchee. You know, I've had numerous conversations with him. He's excited to get up here and uh, and get out to Wenatchee and get rolling. But 
Really excited about that left-handed bat. You know, for some of our fans who have kind of noticed Paul Thomas or, you know, kind of followed us over the years, it's, right field for us is just a jet stream. So let, Once left the sun goes bats, down. Yeah, left-handed bats really play at our yard. So a guy that get, that could uh, run a few out, run a few out this summer. Mitch, you said it. Well, it might have been a week after the season ended. We were talking, and you said, I am just going to stack this team with guys who can hit balls over that right field fence. It's going to be a question <laughs> here pretty soon of who's going to lead the team in home runs because there's a lot of power bats coming to this team. Yeah, yeah. That was, you know, not intentional in any way. I just felt like last year, <laughs> last year we uh, we didn't we didn't have a ton of ton of power we had a lot of guys that got on base and we and we stole a lot of bags and we put the game in motion and hit and ran and you know you, you got to kind of play to your park and and I just feel like our park with that jet stream out to right field you can just mix in a few more left-handed bats that can I can lift a ball it, it'll be fun it'll be fun to see how this plays out but Marshall's definitely a really good player you know a ton of accolades coming out of high school was invited to the perfect game national showcases and you know, all that stuff and very highly rated out by perfect game. And Texas just has really good baseball, man. That, that, that junior college league down there, you know, it's kind of a different animal. So he's a good player. We're, we're excited to see what he's going to do for us. Florida, Texas, California. You get a guy from one of those places, uh, you're not doing too bad for sure. And, and we've seen that with a number of options these guys have to play. Like you said, leaves TCU, fantastic baseball school, continues to rake at another pretty solid program albeit maybe not as well-known as uh, the TCU program. But regardless, you mentioned the need for more home runs. 18 last season for the Apple Sox. That was 13th out of 16 teams in the West Coast League. The lowest total was 14 by Port Angeles, who usually, regardless of their record, usually they're up there in the top five just because they bring in some big bats each year. Uh, Ridgefield, no surprise, with the Cracker Jack ballpark at 40 home runs there. Uh, so they led the league. So it's going to be hard to get up to that total is my point. But it's one of those things. I think you've got to be in those mid-20s probably, Mitch. I would imagine you'd like to be in that mid-tier, maybe mid to upper 20s or so of home runs because Paul Thomas isn't exactly a hitter's friendly ballpark, but you can still do some damage there with right field and with plenty of road games as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's just a – it's one of those things. I'm not dead set on we got to run this many balls out of the yard or, you know, that sort of thing. I we said, I mean, last year we set a franchise record in runs, so we were doing pretty well offensively. We had we had a historic season. We we uh, we found ways to score runs, and that's what it's all about. But you know, you, you bring in a, a few more guys with just a little more pop and a little bit of juice. It it makes things fun, and you know, it, it can change the game pretty quickly when you've got some guys with some raw power like that. Marshall's numbers on the season as a freshman. Remember all this really impressive that he's doing this. Eight home runs in forty games. 321 batting average. That's great. But for me, the 508 on base percentage, just incredible work there at the plate. So he's getting a ton of balls. He's hitting them hard. Seven doubles, four triples, but he's also got 44 walks in there, Mitch. This is a pretty complete hitter this spring. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just going off the numbers, it's pretty ridiculous. I'm excited to see it in person. I'm excited to see kind of where he fits in in our lineup. He kind of has that like true three-hole hitter kind of written all over him with with the pop, with the speed, with you know being able to do damage as far as doubles and triples goes. And but yeah, he's just been on base mach machine for them. And recently, you know, just talking with him, I've just been, hey, are you looking for another Division One opportunity? And 
he's pretty set on going back to Berlin and, and finishing up there. But, you know, according to him and, and everything I've heard, he's got some very good other division one offers. And, and so it'll be fun to kind of follow his career this summer and see what happens there as far as, you know, if, if he stays, stays at Berlin or where he ends up or, um, you know, down the line, but he, he's going to be an exciting player to watch. Talked about his pop, talked about him just getting on base. I'm sure Apple Sox fans will love hearing this as well. He leads Blinn with 19 stolen bases this season. That's for you know, joining an Apple Sox team, which was fourth on the West Coast League in stolen bases last summer, had the single season new record holder for stolen bases and Joichiro Oyama. You know, Mitch, is this a guy who, you know, when you look at the numbers, you compare him to everyone else, is this kind of a sleeper among guys who are coming to the Apple Sox who, okay, you know, he's not at the sexy college right now. You know, maybe he's not right off the bat, you know, someone who we're going, okay, he, you know, like the returners, he's going to grab some headlines. Is this kind of a sleeper who fans should really keep an eye on and say, this could actually be a huge part of this summer's team? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, you factor in that he's coming from Blinn, you know, a junior college. Like, like you mentioned, a lot of people don't know, or if you don't follow junior college baseball, you're not going to know, oh, Blinn, you know, you, you might say, where's that? I feel like if he would have stayed at TCU and then we'd be talking about him like, oh, we have a TCU kid coming in, then he'd get that hype and get that glamour. But man, I'm telling you right now, he's gonna be he's gonna be fun to watch this summer. Another left-handed power bat joining this team. Really looking forward to that. We've got, of course, another bat to talk about a little bit down the way here as well. Uh, who you're thinking can bring some pop as well, but. You know, this is a team that's going to find a way to, to score some runs once again this year. Maybe it's going to be a little bit different than how last year. Maybe it'll be a little bit of a mix of everything. I think that's what you would like the most is that complete offense, so to speak. But we do have another position player to touch on uh, coming up to the Apple Sox here. This coming from a school last year, Mitch. We were set to have a couple of guys join the Apple Sox. Didn't quite work out because they got a little bit more action. But looking forward, hopefully this year, to having a member from this uh, this school coming to us. Uh, who's our fourth player to welcome to the Apple Sox here this week? Yeah, fourth player is uh, Izzy Lopez. He uh, comes to us from Missouri State. Like you mentioned, we have, we actually have a really solid connection with uh, Missouri State. Their, uh, their associate head coach, Joey Hawkins, and and I have had some really good conversations over the last couple of years and just, just talking about players and recruiting and what guys to keep an eye on and they're, they're kind of a program that's sneaky and on the rise. They're uh, in the Missouri Valley Conference. They actually won their conference tournament last year uh, and ended up going to a, to a regional. Yeah, and we had a couple guys set to come out here from last summer, but, you know, unfortunately, both of them kind of got dinged up towards the end of the summer. And uh, as you know, you know, when, when, when you get injured in the spring, the last thing you want to do is run out somewhere else and play summer baseball and, and uh, get hurt worse, so. Didn't work out last summer, but we're hoping Izzy will come out here this summer. And uh, he's he's a really slick middle infielder. Got a really good glove. Can kind of play numerous positions, second, short, third. You know, pre- previously before Missouri State, right out of high school, he was uh, recruited by Texas A&M. Went to Texas A&M, redshirted, didn't work out there. And then ended up at McLennan Junior College, which, uh, again, you know, hopefully our fans can just kind of take a notepad and keep note of some of these junior colleges. I mean, honestly, Google search some of these junior colleges that we recruit from. McClendon is another one, uh, an absolute powerhouse. They're like, you know, they're like Central Arizona. They're they're always in the JUCO World Series, and they, they just send on a ton of really good players. And so Izzy went there, played shortstop for them, was a team captain, actually won a junior college World Series with them before moving on to Missouri State. So uh, really excited to 
see what he can do. Um, you know, our park, like, like we've talked about before, you know, our infield can, can get a little choppy at times and uh, be tough to play on. But I, I feel like he's going to be a really good defensive option for us and, and could, could be a guy that ends up locking down an infield spot all summer. You mentioned uh, just keeping a notepad of where all these places are. For those who might be wondering, McLennan Community College in Waco, Texas. So that's the same town that Baylor University is in, just to maybe ballpark it a little bit for you for if you're living outside of Texas, like most of us, and listening to this podcast. Um, you know, Mitch, I I hope our fans are picturing just when we talk about all this different recruiting we do, I, I hope they're picturing the the private jet with the Apple Sox logo on it that you have. That you're just you're flying out every week. You're stopping at a town. You know, you're covered in your hat. You're, you're basically probably even have an Apple Sox suit. And you're going, no, I'm Mitch Darlington. Here's why you <laughs> should join the Wadachi Apple Sox this summer. I hope they're oh, all picturing man. that. Yeah, I gotta put in a I gotta put in a little word with Allie and see if we can get that dialed in. But that 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 is a hundred percent not how uh, my recruiting goes. So maybe Jose will fork it over a little bit and and, and get us somewhere out in Pangborn and get us a little private jet action that I can fly out of. That would be incredible. Oh, uh, not gonna happen at this level of baseball. But it's fun <laughs> to dream, right? It's fun to dream to have this that we we take our recruiting to that level. But regardless, <laughs> it, this is another example, though, Mitch of going to some different options, maybe going to some of those different unconventional options and saying, okay, this is a place we've seen the success they've had there, or they're currently at this place. And and that means a lot because as we've talked about success of that junior college level, a lot of times for the right players can really transition to the West coast league as well. Yeah. I mean, a lot of these guys that are coming from these high powered junior colleges, they're, they're division one level players. And a lot of times you're getting guys that, you know, have played their whole freshman year, have played their whole sophomore year, and they're ready to come into the West Coast League or step into a good summer league. And, you know, they're Division One talent. You know, sometimes you get the Division One kids that are freshmen who who haven't gotten an A-B all, all spring. And so, it, you know, it's a little different compared to the, the JC guy that's seen 150 A-Bs and uh, is kind of locked in at the plate. So, you know what you're getting with these junior college guys, like we've mentioned before, with Central Arizona and Iowa Western and McLennan, Blinn. You know, you're not getting, you know, your your average junior college player. You're getting a Division One talent that is that is going to sign somewhere really good in the coming uh, in the coming year. Izzy Lopez, right now at Missouri State. I'm so excited, Mitch. We, I'm I was, I'm almost as excited for the depth of this team in the middle infield, as I am the ability that I think this team is going to have to be able to put the ball over the fence from what you've talked about. There's been several weeks in a row now where you've been saying, we've got a second base, we've got a shortstop coming in. He's going to provide a lot of depth there. He's going to help things out. And we keep talking about this, but it is going to be a competition at second base and shortstop this summer, maybe in a different way than it was last year. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, and again, you never know with who ends up showing up, how everything works out. But right now you kind of look at our roster and we're about two guys at almost every spot, basically, is we're, we're, we're too deep everywhere. And I think it's going to give us that good balance and j- just keep guys fresh, keep guys just basically playing every other night. And if you're hot with the bat, you know, maybe you see a DH role, but it's going to be the right amount of depth. You know, last summer we ran into the problem of uh, got towards the end of July and we had a lot of departures and guys, you know, getting dinged or leaving for one reason or another. And I feel like this is kind of the right amount of depth that we have to where guys are still in the lineup consistently every other day, but still also staying fresh and, get, and getting that break when they need it. 
I always like to re- reiterate this for fans, for the players in a sense too. It's always, it's always so the most advantageous players for the Apple Sox are the guys who are there year round. You may not be the starter from day one to the end. Sometimes you may be, but sometimes just being there and being there for the depth, you'll probably start the season beginning in a position. You'll probably end the season at that position as well, getting a lot of starts. You can't have enough of those guys over the course of a season. Diving into the numbers a little bit with Izzy Lopez, not a ton of action, though, this spring at Missouri State. Just 11 games there right now, uh, only 20 at-bats, so really hard to take too much from that that sample size for him. But over at McLennan Community College, as you mentioned, where he had a lot of success, Mitch, 282 batting average last year in 58 games, two home runs, 36 RBI. Uh, 32 walks in there. Really worth noting that because he had more walks than strikeouts. Now, that's my favorite kind of baseball player. Hard to see a lot of those guys anymore. 35 games in 2021, uh, 268 batting average and a 339 on base percentage. Did begin his baseball career at Texas A&M. Didn't work out there. Transferred away from them. Did not play in any games. But as we mentioned, kind of another Fort, uh, he's a Fort Worth, Texas native. Another Texas guy adding to this team. These are guys who get that great opportunity to pretty much play baseball year round. And I don't think we'll see too many fatigue issues like that for a guy like this, who's he's played a lot of games the last couple of years, but he's going to be ready to go this summer. Yep. Yep. I feel like he's another one that's going to be itching to get out here and, and just get his work in, you know, he's going to be get out here and be excited to get some more action, get in the lineup consistently. And I, I'm really excited. You know, you mentioned the offensive numbers. I'm from everything I've heard. I'm really excited about his glove. I feel like he is going to be, you know, that kind of prototypical lockdown shortstop, the guy that's, that's just, a you know, whether he's hitting or not, he, he almost needs to be on the field because his glove is so good from everything I've heard. So uh, excited to see what he can do defensively for us. We love talking about the guys who've got the big bats, but boy, it's almost just as important to have a, a good glove. And again, we'll, we'll say it again. You play the middle infield of Paul Thomas Senior Stadium, you better have a really good glove because that's really going to test you. And I think it's easy for guys sometimes to make excuses. Oh, it's not turf or, oh, it's a bad infield. But, you know, Mitch, I'm, I'm, maybe it's something you've had to say at some point, but, you know, Good players find a way to deal with whatever conditions they're dealing with, don't they? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, we almost in some sense like over over analyze our field in some ways. I feel like people are listening and think, what are they playing on? But we have a nice <laughs> concrete, actually, folks. It's it's a concrete field. <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> no, we we have a great park. Paul Thomas is awesome. We have a great field. You know, when it gets hot in the summer, we just get get times where, you know, it can just kind of get a little solid on top of the infield and take those long chops where it kind of kicks up at you. And, but it, it's definitely, it's nothing crazy. It's just, that's kind of the way it is with uh, when we're playing on natural grass and, and natural infield. And it's just different. It's a different world now. So many fields are turf that guys are just so used to playing on turf that you get back on the dirt and you forget, Hey, once in a while you get a bad hop and you know, it's, it's just different. Good for everyone to, to experience a little bit something different. I think that's the fun thing about the West Coast League is the different types of fields that you have over the course of the summer. Some turf, some not. Mitch, that leads us into our final player to talk about for this week. And if you're an Apple Sox season ticket holder or a host parent, you have known that he's going to be with his team for about, boy, almost two months now. And that's one of the perks of being an Apple Sox season ticket member. So you got a chance to hear at the hot stove party that he was going to be joining this team. So always encourage our fans to, uh, sign up to become a season ticket holder. Just email us at info at applesocks.com, or you can also purchase season tickets by calling 509-665-6900. 
They run extremely affordable. We can't stress that enough right now. I did the math, and you know me, Mitch. I like to I like to crunch the numbers a lot. Um, you look at our season tickets. 31 home games. That doesn't include any postseason games, which we're hoping we get back to having a lot of those. That is a, a rate of less than $5 per game. Not getting that in Seattle, not getting that a lot of minor league ballparks. Really great prices for affordable summer baseball and one of the best venues in the country, I think, to watch and enjoy a summer night with a game. But So you already knew, if you're an Apple Sox season ticket holder, that this player was going to be joining the team. Mitch, who is our fifth and final edition of this week's roster editions? Yeah, last guy that we'll uh, announce this week is a uh, first baseman. He's a University of Texas commit, uh, so he will be an incoming freshman coming to us this summer, and that's MJ Sweeney. MJ is a six-seven left-handed bat, big big boy man. He he's got a lot of power, a lot of pop. Good good player. Originally was committed to Kansas. Some things happened with the coaching staff, uh, some changes, and so kind of decommitted from there, and then. Uh, Texas kind of jumped on him and and that's a that's a great program and really hard to turn down so we're excited to get MJ out here man I, I you don't know what you know with the incoming freshmen you never know quite what to expect uh you don't know how they're gonna you know handle you know that that next level up seeing division one type pitching but you know this guy's played on showcase teams all across the country We've been invited all sorts of different invites as far as you know area codes and whatever it may be so definitely an experienced player and you know we'll touch on a little bit his dad was Mike Sweeney uh if you meant if you recognize that name Mike had a I want to say it was longer than 10 years Joel you might be able to pull up the stats here but like a 10-year big league career played for the Kansas City Royals actually had a short little stint with the Seattle Mariners and I believe a three-time all-star as well so he's coming from uh coming from pretty good genetics there so yeah, really impressive career for his dad, Mike Sweeney, uh, five-time All-Star, 16 years. Really, You were really close on those numbers. It was almost right on, Mitch. But like you said, really impressive baseball family. And as you mentioned with MJ, though, you know, at 6'7", that's his – we talked about this, Mitch. This basketball team is coming together all of a sudden again. Here we, We've got some guys who could play some positions. Uh, we just – we got to finally get on the court. I, I love I, – for those maybe who aren't familiar, I, I like bringing up the basketball because my first year when I was with the Apple Sox, we did play basketball a fair amount. I was right out of college at that time, so I was really close in age to a lot of the players. So we had a couple of times we played basketball both on the road. We had one afternoon. It was probably 95 degrees, and we played basketball on those courts right next to Paul Thomas Senior Stadium. So I'm all for I don't think I'd be able to run as well with the guys now, but I'm all for the Apple Sox having a basketball game once again. So uh, big guy, though, MJ Sweeney, 6'7", and Mitch, here we go again, another left-handed bat. What what have you seen from him that stands out the most at the plate, maybe watching any files of him, any footage of him at the plate, anything like that? Yeah, he, uh, you know, he's one of those that, a lot of these left-handed bats you get, you know, they're kind of like dead pull guys. They just, their whole life have been taught, hey, just pull the baseball. You're a left-handed bat. You know, you should turn on the baseball. He's one that, from everything I've seen, he goes the other way really well. You know, he, he, he'll he go paint the left field line and, and take his double, and then he'll absolutely turn on a fastball and hit it 400 feet. So he's he's another one. He's fun to Google search and kind of look at some of the stuff he's done and, and, and some of those showcase games he's put on. He's he's uh put up some good numbers in so he he's another one that also as well that we've talked about how other players kind of do some recruiting for you 
he was high school teammates with another incoming Apple Sox, uh, Frankie Carney. Both went to St. Augustine High School. So MJ actually reached out to me, one of the perks of social media, kind of got in contact with him on Twitter. And he reached out and mentioned he was high school teammates with uh, Frankie Carney. And he knew Ryan Mullen really well. And I, I, you know, of course, had to text Ryan and ask about MJ. And he had nothing but great things to say about him. So another one of those kind of networking with the players where it worked out. And, and uh, fortunately, he's going to be joining us this summer. You know, Mitch, you bring up the social media. I was thinking about this the other day. You know how this is in the offseason. Uh, a lot of the Division One programs, they'll post something about, you know, some sort of hashtag without a guy who they recruited and they signed. You know, like, oh, we got another big one here. I mean, boy, if we were doing that right now, it would just be you tweeting that every single day. You know, oh, we got another dog coming to the Apple Sox this summer. <laughs> because it just, you know, kind of adding – a lot of the names you just dropped there, too. Everyone knows Ryan Mullen from last year. We've talked about what Frankie Carney can bring to this team. And obviously, we're talking about right now with MJ Sweeney. It's just a lot of guys who've got some impressive resumes. And just diving into the resume for MJ Sweeney a little bit, small sample size this spring, 289 batting average in 12 games, but already four doubles, two triples, two home runs in those 12 games. So already up to eight extra base hits in that time. A year ago, which he's already matched his home run total from last season, he had two home runs in 30 games as a junior at St. Augustine High School, but in that time also had 13 extra base hits overall and a 333 batting average. So looking like another solid left-handed bat in there. I mean, Mitch, are we just are we for these home games, are we just going one through nine, the only lefty bat lineup, just praying we're not facing a left-handed starting pitcher? <laughs> I think one of the nights, maybe a non-league game, we have to pull it out. Where we we just need go to do one that. to nine left-handed bats, but left-handed uh, starting pitcher for the Sox too. Let's just do an all-lefty night. Right, right. <laughs> no, no, you know, the other thing with MJ is he pitches a little bit too, so we can just run a we can run a straight nine and uh, and have all left-handed bats and just let let our pitchers hit for each other. We talked about that before. This is a dangerous road. Once you give the one pitcher a chance to bat or vice versa, <laughs> everyone's going to ask. I see it every single summer. We really saw it a lot late, late last summer. Got to avoid that, right? <laughs> right, right. But, yeah, I mean, on a serious note, MJ, I believe, is being brought into Texas as well as on the mound. So, you know, another guy that, you know, if he's not playing first base, there's a chance you, you could see him come out of the bullpen and get some innings. So, he, he's just going to be a fun player. He's going to be a fun player with his family history of baseball and um, him heading to Texas, a great program. It's just, it's a fun guy to have on your roster just to, just to see him for a summer before he goes off to a really good program. I think it's really worth bringing up with him. I think fans, it worked out in a way that this is not to knock Kansas, but with MJ decommitting from there and then committing to Texas, he went to a more prestigious baseball program, so to speak. Kansas has had its success, too. That is not, there's, there are no slouches either. But I think it's a lesson for fans and players themselves that decommitting from one college and going to another one sometimes can work out even better, whether it's a flashier school that's the second one you go to or just ends up being a better fit, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, you know, you got to do what's right for you and what, what's right for your family and where you want to end up and – you know, anytime coaches change or, you know, things happen of that nature, it's just better to, you know, it's just better to make the right choice for what's going to work out best for you and your playing career. That's interesting. This is a different sport. I've been seeing that a lot in the college hockey world this year. We've had a lot of our players changing some schools that they're committed to because of coaches changing after a season. end. so 
And that's the thing. I don't know if fans realize it. The campuses are nice. It's uh, the locations sometimes are really nice, but the most important thing at the end of the day, typically is about those, those assistant the, the coaching staffs that are there. Sometimes when they leave, the players will follow them to the other school. And sometimes it, it could be something as simple as that. Uh, is that something you ever dealt with in your career? Maybe Mitch as, as whether as a coach or as a, as a player in your college career, you know, maybe it was you or someone else, or like a teammate, guys following a coach who left a place because that just that was their selling point for that program. Yeah, I mean, even at the junior college level, you know, coaching there, that that you know that happens all the time, and you know, you see a lot of the transfer portal stuff going on right now. Some of that isn't to do with coaches, but you know, ultimately if you go somewhere and it's just not the right fit for you, I mean, we, as employees, we leave jobs all the time when it's not the right fit. We, we have the freedom to, you know, if, if I'm somewhere where I just am not comfortable and not happy and it's ultimately not best for me, you know, I have that privilege to go, to go find another job or go move somewhere else. And so I really, I really don't mind at all with, with the decommitting or the transfer portal stuff. It, it doesn't really bother me when guys find another program to go play for. So five really exciting players from this week that we got a chance to talk about five different paths for these guys. And like we said, coming down the home stretch right now, we've only got, we've only got two more of these podcasts talking about the roster scheduled again, inevitably we're going to have a third with new additions to the team who some we may already know about some we don't really know about, but uh, going to be really fun uh, getting down the stretch here is uh, you, uh, you Mitch and I, you and I were talking about the weather when we were getting started here. A little bit cooler out in Washington right now. I've been dealing with temperatures in the high 70s right now, right around the corner baseball season. It's been fun watching the majors so far, kind of getting into that mood here, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely. We're actually uh, heading off this weekend and going to go watch the Mariners play the Rockies. And my son has not been into a professional baseball game yet. So it's just feeling like baseball season and we're we're getting closer every day to, to, to some true summer baseball. Hopefully you'll look at and get a chance to see Marco Gonzalez at some point. Maybe Michael Tolia will get called up. Started the year in the Rockies AAA system, but he made his major league debut with Colorado last year. So who knows? Could be a lot of fun to see that. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully we get a couple Sox alumni. I'll, I'll, I'll be wearing my socks hat for sure. I might have to find a way to go wave down Marco or something and see if we can uh, get an Apple Sox picture there. That would be really cool. That'd be neat. I, I I have to say to fans too. Allie and I were at a we were an Omaha Storm Chasers AAA game this past weekend, and oh boy, all it takes Mitch is one warm day watching a baseball game, and you start to go, how many more days are we till Apple Sox opening day? I mean, we had about the it was the perfect day at the park. It was you know the mid seventies, cool wind is coming through, and I was like, just take me to mid June at Paul Thomas right now. Yeah, yeah, it's it's hard to beat, man. Once uh once June rolls around and you start getting back in the park, it's just it, there's nowhere else you'd rather be than uh, at Paul Thomas on a on a summer night. Let me ask you this: You're busy over the course of a game. There's a lot of stuff that you have to deal with, and maybe you don't have the time to appreciate that in in the way that I do, as someone who's sitting there literally just watching the game with no no obligations to that extent. What's something maybe about an Apple Sox game at Paul Thomas? that you love or maybe that you're missing right now that you were like, wow, kind of took that for granted because of all the nights last summer. Yeah. I mean, the warm weather for sure. I mean, it's, it's nice to be back in some short sleeves and just enjoying the, enjoying the summer air. But honestly, it's just the view, you know, it's just Paul Thomas sitting perfectly in the Wenatchee Valley. You got the mountains right around you. And, you know, sometimes you just middle of the game, you just kind of look around and go, man, this is just a really nice place to play. There's just, 
it's a nice park. We have great fans. The, just the atmosphere, you know, the barbecues above our third base dugout, and you're smelling burgers and popcorn and hot dogs. It's just no, no, no better place for me, man. This is this is a dream come true to be coaching the team and and just be hanging out at Paul Thomas every night in the summer. I had a moment yesterday in the game I was watching in Omaha where the home fans cheered for something that the road team Toledo did. And it reminded me of a line you had from last summer about how it's there's times like that at Apple Sox games occasionally with the Apple Sox fans, they'll cheer a little bit with something. It's like the polite applause when the road team will do something impressive. I just remembered you saying, man, these fans just love a good baseball game more than anything else. And it's that's one of the cool things about it. I I don't see many teams in the league whose fans do something like that. And I think it's a it's a nice sign of respect for your opponent, too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And our and our fans, their memory is incredible, too. I mean, we'll, we'll play other teams. I can't remember if it was Walla Walla last summer. And it was at Nick's is Siemens, is it from yeah, LC Siemens. State? He comes up to the up to the plate and, you know, the Apple Sox faithful are standing up and giving them a round of applause. And I'm asking my assistant coaches like, hey, what's going on? And one of the players is like, he played for the Apple Sox. And so I'm like, man, these, these guys have better memory than I do. They know who played for him previously. And, you know, it's just cool to see. We have, we have great fans. Yeah, really cool. Mitch, I also saw this, and this was when we talked about a couple of weeks ago. I had to bring it up because you talked about you didn't really like the idea of the pitch clock. I saw this in an article today. According to Baseball Reference, the average time to play nine innings during the 2022 MLB season was three hours and three minutes. Through two weeks this season, nine inning games in MLB are averaging two hours and 37 minutes. You've gone to an MLB game. What do you think of the pitch clock now? Have you changed your mind yet and come around to the light side? <laughs> my wife could be my testament to this. I did say, so when we went to that uh, Diamondbacks game last week, the game moved so much quicker. It is unbelievable. I You'd go to pro games before, and it was just like, it felt like there were times where it did move slow. It has gotten a lot quicker. The only thing I will say is I wish they would just turn it off from the seventh after the seventh inning. Just the end of the game is too critical to, you know, you got to be able to pick off as much as you want. You got to be able to have as many mound visits as you want, and you got to be able to slow the game down a little bit. So I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it for those first five, six innings. But but when it gets to crunch time, I wish they'd turn it off. And uh, I wish playoff baseball, they would turn it off. That's an interesting argument that I could potentially get behind. But I, I think for some of these games, the Tuesday night in April, boy, you know, I really don't mind it. And I think, you know, with, with what you're mentioning, even if they turned it off, people might still naturally adhere to it anyway, just out of muscle memory. But that's a good point. You right. have a few more things in there, uh, to say the least. Well, Mitch, thanks for this this week. Another exciting look at this roster. We'll chat again next week. Awesome. Appreciate it, Joel. Thanks for tuning in to the Wenatchee Apple Sox podcast. If you enjoyed it and don't already, please subscribe to get updates on our newest episodes. Make sure to like the Apple Sox on Facebook and follow at Apple Sox on Twitter or Instagram. Wenatchee Apple Sox baseball, celebrating summer one inning at a time.